We are back after a long NCAA weekend, trying to do a recap show. Hopefully that's coming in the next couple of days. If not, we're going to start having some of the finalists on and the champions on from this weekend. First up, my guy, Yanni D, four-time national champ. So excited to have on the podcast today. Real quick before we dive in, this show is brought to you by Attack. Champions aren't born, they're made. Attack is a training app for athletes. If you guys are not following Attack on social media, if you're not using the Attack app, you need to today. Go look into it. I promise you're not going to be disappointed. ATAC Attack. It is like having a trainer, a mentality mentor, a nutritionist, all those things in your pocket. It is an app that I truly wish I had access to back in my competition days. Um, I think this would have really helped me level up, and I think something like this could be a key to success for so many people. So go download the Attack app in the Apple App Store, Google Play Store. And guys, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to subscribe. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Rockfin, wherever you enjoy this podcast. Subscribe and be notified as soon as these episodes drop. With that said, let's dive into uh, our conversation with Yanni. It's Bashomania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashomania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Dude, we've got some really, really cool stuff coming. Yeah, I'm we'll have to talk about that. that. Guys, welcome back to Bash Mania. Yanni D back on the show. And arguably, you've been on this podcast after a lot of accolades. This is your biggest one yet again. Yeah. How are you, man? You've had a weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's it. The weekend was electric. I mean, there were there's probably fifty things that happened this weekend that are crazy things. And you know, just looking at our team, I mean, team had an awesome weekend. Obviously, you know, I I did it, and uh, and Vito was awesome too. I mean, there's just there's a lot of good, a lot of good this weekend for Cornell. So very yeah, exciting. it's funny. We're gonna try to dive into as much as we can today. I don't even know where to start, but I guess let's just dive right into this weekend. I want to kind of talk about the season, the career, but let's let's start with this weekend. Let's real quick go through your matches. We don't kind of go too crazy in depth, but I know sometimes people like when you quickly like recap them right out of the gate. You have Dom Demas who people were already resharing the clip the last time you guys wrestled when there was like that one sequence that was like, Ooh, what was that? Like you had like your arm kind of backwards. Yeah, I go back on there. <laughs> yeah. So going into the first match um with Dom Demas, what were you thinking? What were your thoughts on that match? You know, obviously he's got like a really wide open, crazy style. Um, the big the big thing that kind of Mike was in my ear about is like you're not that guy. You're not you're not the same guy anymore. Because yep. obviously, like that was a really tough match we had, and you know. I, I did some freakish things to get out of some really bad position. And, you know, kind of just hearing that from Mike, just like, listen, that's not you anymore. Like you're, you're different now, you know, and just, and just believe in that, you know, being ready for, you know, he's going to throw the kitchen sink at me even more than he probably would anyway, just with that kind of style and, you know, the situation with everything. So I had to be ready for some, some madness and just kind of roll with what he gives you and, you know, don't get super caught up in, 
you know, the craziness. And Dake made a good comment. Dake did great on commentary. He made a comment about like, you know, you after some of these decision matches, any time in your career that it's basically a decision, you're harder on yourself where most people are like, win, advance, keep going. You kind of analyze the match a bit more, even if it's a tech or a pin, but more so like a decision, you're kind of holding yourself to a very high standard. Was there an expectation for any of these matches? Because the next match you come out and you pin Arrington in like two minutes. Was there any expectation for you on these matches of like what you wanted to do? Or was it a win in win number four kind of situation? You know, I, I try to not fall into like a scoreboard type of situation because guys are going to hold it close. Yeah. You know, try to try to stay in the match. But there's a there's a wrestling standard. Like, you know, I beat Demas, I don't know, I think it might have been six to one. And I was came off the mat and I was like, you know, that was good. That was good. I can live with that. Um, the Arrington match, not really anything to take away. He bait I just took he took a shot and pinned him. Um and then the the last three, I was pretty frustrated with all three of them. Just uh <laughs> I think as we got deeper into the tournament, you know, I generally I do a really good job with my nerves and and pressure. And I think, you know, I, it probably got the best of me a little bit. Even the Murin match, I wrestled really good for six minutes and 40 seconds and kind of had a had a brain fart in the last 30 seconds there. <laughs> um, and then after that, you know, the, the big thing that Mike kind of has said to me throughout my career, but more after this weekend is he's like, listen, you're going to have weekends like that. You're going to be nervous. You're, you're just not going to wrestle well. It could be physical, could be mental, whatever it is. And he's like, but. What makes you you is I always know that you can pull those ones out when you need right. to. And um, so, yeah, like, obviously, I'm not really happy with my performance. I don't think anybody would sit there and tell you that that's the best version of me that they saw. Right. But there's a lot of, you know, factors in the NCAA tournament. And fortunately, I, I was able to just kind of make it happen. Yeah, and you're at you're you're in an interesting position because like your Max Murren match, you win eight seven, and and guys like Max Murren are guys who just they don't really ever stop. They just go, just and, and when they're wrestling a guy like you, there's almost that. I've always said I've been close with Burroughs for a long time, and I've really kind of understood being the top guy and having people just the targets on your back. You're the top guy. It almost seems like the pressure's off them because if they lose. I don't want to say who cares, but there's a bigger like, okay, well, it's Yanni. Okay, it's Burroughs. There's that expectation of of potentially losing and being a big underdog. But guys like Murren just they don't give up. Yeah, I mean, he's tough. You know, he's he's gonna wrestle hard, he's gonna try to stay in the match. He he wasn't really in that conversation for title contention, but he's he's wrestling, you know, two point matches with all those top tier guys. I think him and Sasso had a relatively close match i know he beat van ness he had a right. tight match with gomez before gomez had the injury so he's just you know there's it's the nature of college wrestling right because of the way escapes work you can kind of stay in the match like you know you can give up four takedowns and get one and it's close and if you're a tough guy who's got the skill and gonna wrestle hard for seven minutes you can keep yourself in a match and you know that's that he did a really good job all weekend i feel like you know he, he got on the podium and wrestled hard and, yeah. you know, college wrestling hard with good focus can get you a really long way. Before you wrestled Van Ness, I believe that's when Spencer loses to Ramos. What was that like for you? Because I've got to imagine that's like when you 
kind of began warming up for your semi-match. And here there's so much talk of you and Spencer. And, uh, you know, seeing that, I try to kind of go the other way. You never want to add pressure to anybody. But obviously that was one of the biggest talking points of the weekend. Spencer goes down. What goes through your mind before the semis? So this is like a funny anecdote was uh, I'm sitting in that back warm-up area where the Cornell section, not the seating section, the wrestlers were sitting yeah. right by where Matt one was. So one of those blood round mats were right by the tunnel. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. I have these noise canceling headphones over my ears at full volume. And I'm like, I saw that Ramos went up four to one after the first. And I just put my phone down. I'm like, don't, don't do not get sucked into this match right now. <laughs> Spencer was wrestling. We had Brad Unger in the blood round. There's just a lot of things that I'm like, don't do not get sucked into all this. Just put your phone down. Yeah. And I, so I've got these voice canceling headphones on full volume. And I heard the stadium erupting and I was like, Oh, it definitely just happened. <laughs> and then sure enough, I turn my headphones down. I get up to start warming up and I see Matt Ramos come flying in the back, hugging his coaches, giving everyone high fives. And I was like, wow. Like it, it was, it was shocking because, Spencer, you know, obviously there's a whole four time thing, but he even more had this like facade around him where it was like, he doesn't lose, you know what I mean? Obviously, you know, we both have taken losses in our career, but he was just under that spotlight a lot, you know? And I don't know if that was the same for me. Like he might've said the same thing if roles were reversed, but I remember being like, wow. And, um, I I don't, I don't, I don't think it threw me off. I mean, it could have, you know, yeah. the, the, there were just a lot of crazy semifinal matches. You know, Roman and McGee had that burner. Vito looked great against Fix. The 41 semifinals were actually pretty tame. And then, obviously, me and Van Ness had that, like, pretty spicy match in the third period. Um, so, you know, I don't I don't know if it played a factor, but it definitely was like the place was rocking. You know what I mean? And can't help but feel for him a little bit. You know, it's like you can you, – you know it. Everyone in the gym is kind of waiting for you to lose when you're in that type of position. Yeah. So, yeah feel for him and it's funny because it does feel like there's a healthy mix of there's people who root against greatness of any caliper and there's people who root for it even people who are completely neutral and i saw some comments and tweets about some fans like you know rooting against them i think you're gonna have that in sports no matter what but when it happened for you it was interesting because you guys were going for the same exact goal did the pressure or anything change after like now the spotlight's even more so on you because here Spencer drops his ability for becoming a four timer. And now it's kind of like, like I had said, I don't know, a hundred times I asked the question leading up to the event on Twitter, like, okay, what weight do you end at Spencer potentially going for four Yanni potentially going for four Caro tool three, potentially like all these things. And then it seemed like it was a no brainer. As soon as Spencer went down, you win, and then it's like, okay, we're ending with Jan. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously external pressure that, like, I'd be a liar if I said I wasn't aware of that at all. But a lot of the pressure, you know, it's probably self-inflicted, which is uh, <laughs> whatever. You know, and, and if anything, like, Spencer, what happened in the semifinals is not – it wasn't like, oh, there's more attention on me, more focus on me. It yeah. wasn't like that. It was more just like, wow. It was just I I I I couldn't really articulate it other than wow, yeah. Because it was like it's a, it's an unfortunate thing, and then you see like they're putting his 
family all over social media. It's like, come on, you know? And yeah. I think just, it kind of like shell shocked people. You know, obviously there's people that are super happy and people that are super upset about it. But I think regardless of what you wanted to happen in that match, you were like, whoa. And then that changed the energy for the rest of the semis where I feel like people were in that, like, well, anything can happen now. Right. Mentality. Yeah, nobody thought that there was, like, that possibility of the, the huge upset. I feel like even throughout the tournament, there wasn't, like, there were obviously, there's always crazy upsets, but there was not nothing crazy. Like, none of the one seeds or even, like, the top two seeds really had gone down except Sloan beat Truax, but that way it was, like, a mess. Yeah. You know, so overall, it was, like, going as smooth as the national tournament can go. So I think yeah. that was the first, like, blow the roof off the place kind of upset. And the quarters were, like you said, the quarters were pretty tame. It was yeah. the semis that it wasn't just like it got a little bit electric. It got like you had the extreme end of the spectrum with what you could see happen. Um, so in the semis, you wrestle Van Ness. It did get a little spicy. There was a little push at the end. There was the have some nuts comment to Gray. Like what? What? What's your takeaway on that match overall? You know, Shane's he's super tough. Um, obviously he got a lot better and peaked at the right time. Yep. You know, he had a good season, but obviously he's wrestling really well when it mattered. Right. And um, the one thing that was surprising was kind of going into the match. He had been giving up points and then kind of blowing the score open late. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, all right, get ready. You're going to score early. And then, you know, you're going to have to just like grit your teeth and be ready to wrestle really hard at the end of the match. And then he came out really low stance, did a really good job kind of pulling and, and down blocking off and to cover his legs. And I was like, oh, he's, he's mixing it up. And I had a really hard time getting to him, but I kind of felt some stuff that I'm like, all right, I'm going to be able to get to that at some point. And then he got the takedown and I was like, all right, I got to go and kind of made it happen. Um, Yeah, I kind of like pushed off him at the end. And, you know, I, I don't know what people say about that. I didn't mean it. There was no whatever you can say, whatever you want. There's no bad blood there, at least from my end. Maybe he now hates me, and if you want, <laughs> that's okay. But I, I have a ton of respect for him, and he wrestles really hard. So I think it was more just like emotions kind of taking over and, uh, you know, whatever. But o overall, you know, it was a super tough match, and he did a really good job protecting his legs, and I just, you know, was able to make it happen, kind of what we've been talking about earlier. Yeah, I, as a Penn State guy, like I'm super excited for what he can do next year. I mean, you got Lovett coming back, um, Van Ness super strong, Parco. These these it's gonna be a fun wait. Sometimes there's that fall off after a, a top guy leaves where you've been so dominant at 49 for so long. And I want to talk about Meyer Shapiro. We'll we'll hold off on that for a few minutes. Um, okay, so you beat Van Ness, and now you're in the finals. What's the thought heading into it, and, and what's your kind of thought process on that match? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, obviously, it's like, here we, here we go, right? And um, I was in a good spot. You know, I knew Sasso, he cuts a lot of weight. I knew he was going to be big. I knew he was going to be very tough to score on, but I was going to have chances. Because the one thing that I have a ton of respect for him for is it doesn't matter who he's wrestling. Like, he's going to get in there and mix it up. Yep. Like, he... He did a good job of protecting himself, but he does not stall. He does not, you know, try to game plan matches and try to, like, steal. He's like, I'm going to get in there and get you. Right. So, you know, huge credit for him. But kind of the game plan for us was, like, you know, you're going to make sure you get away, get off the bottom, 
you know, don't don't let it become a, a mat wrestling match. And, and you know, the, the big message from Mike and you know everybody, my dad, the co- like Cal and Donnie, everybody was like, you're gonna get to legs. He's 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 gonna shoot. You know, you're gonna get in those positions. Just start by winning one, and then as as you get your first one, let it come to you. You know, yeah. and that's kind of if you look at the match. There's one or two shots in the first, one or two in the second, and then I got that cradle right at the end of the second, and then it was like I'm on his legs five, six, seven times in the third period. And um, so, you know, the big thing was just don't let your emotions take over. Be calm. You know, the, the big thing that kind of Mike's been saying to me all year with these college guys that are very uh, defensively strong it's like you don't you don't need to light the scoreboard up in the first period. Just stay on the guy, get one score. Once you get one score, kind of crack that shell a little bit. More opportunities will come. So that was kind of the message in the finals too. And Sasso, like one of the reasons I didn't just mention his name a minute ago is like it's also we're we're still in that era where like Sasso I think has one more year of eligibility left because of COVID. But he's wrestled four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if he's coming back. So if anybody nitpicks like Sasso, like yeah, he could definitely. And, and if you lose in the finals and want to come back the next year, like I assume, assume that could definitely be a heavy part of your decision on coming back. So Sasso could definitely be back next year in the mix. So you win your fourth title, which for me, like I've known you for so long. I was so excited for me. It kind of felt like I'm so happy you did it. And it's almost like, especially leading up to it, that pressure is kind of lifted. Like it's off your shoulder, like mission accomplished. Did it feel like that? Like, okay, for, for so long, I mean, I was thinking about some of our other episodes where we're talking about, you know, the Hodge and being a four-time champ. Like, especially after you win number three, that's kind of from the minute you win number three until the end of your next year, that's the conversation for so many. And you're big on, like, the senior level. Like, you're a world medalist last year. It's not like that's your only thought is, okay, I can't wait to compete in college next year. Yeah, I mean... The, the day I won the national tournament in 2000, you know, my freshman year, yeah, the number four suddenly had a different meaning. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and that was all I heard about for the last six years was, oh, four-timer, maybe you win four, make four, you know. And it's 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 not malicious, you know, people – it's it's a lot of it's people like, hey, hope you do it. Root yeah. For you. Yep. you know, but because of that, it's just like kind of looming in the back of your head, obviously, you know, and it is like a really great accomplishment not just for myself, but for a lot of people in Ithaca in general, you know, yeah. Cornell is not a school that people consider a rest, like a, this like super wrestling program, but we are, we are, you know, we just took third with two of our starters out. We had an all American out of the lineup and we're the third best team in the country and we're going to be better next year. So I think it meant a lot, obviously to me and for my personal goals, but to the program too. So I had a lot of people behind me, but whenever there's an opportunity to do something, there's going to be people rooting for you, rooting against you, and just generally following it to see what happens, right? Right. So because of that, obviously, there's always going to be uh, pressure, but, you know, no great athlete doesn't face those kind of things, right? You know, when we built your website, we put a thing on there. It says, for when I am weak, that I'm strong. Second Corinthians 12.10. And I was thinking about that this weekend because, you know, we did an episode – over the summer and I brought up the Hodge and you had said like, I don't really care about it, but of course you want to win it. It's like a cherry on top. 
And then the Gomez loss happens. What went through your mind there where it's like, typically, once there's not an undefeated season, the Hodge is usually gone. There's been a couple times, I think, Metcalf. But, like, for the most part, that's gone. Did it? What was it like after that match with Gomez early on in the season? You know, it kind of was shell-shocking, but I think I needed it because I was coming off the world medal and I was so focused on what happened at the world championships, not, not like celebrating it, but was really worried about how that match went. And it really was weighing on me that finals match. I didn't like how I wrestled. And I was just like, I, I, I can't, I can't end freestyle like that. I got to, you know, fix that right away. And I think I was so absorbed in perfecting all the things that went wrong at the worlds. And, you know, whenever you wrestle in a big tournament, like I can, I could write you a 10 page essay about all the things I need to fix after the national tournament. So whenever you're in a big tournament like that, there's all these things that are just like rattling through your mind that you need to fix. And it feels like the world's going to explode if you don't take care of them right now. Right. And I think, you know, had I not had that Gomez loss, I probably would have just been so absorbed in that stuff that I, I, who knows what, when I would have started to really pour it into the folk style. And um, it, it happened a little bit last year. Like I had that tight match with Abbas and then I almost lost to love it in Vegas. And I, I think I just, I, I'm, you're doing the freestyle and you get so absorbed into it. Then when you come back to folk style, for one, there's, a, there's, a, there's that adjustment period that I think I just kind of wrestle through and I have some, 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 some suspect matches yeah. that happened last year. And I, I guess what I'm saying to make a long story short is I needed the Gomez match, not because I was like, oh, these guys aren't worth the time. But it just was like it was like someone slapped me in the face and was like, "Hey, go back to this. The freestyle will be there." Yeah, it's also and, funny um, because Gomez is one of those guys that like he'll throw everything in the kitchen sink at you every single time he steps on the match. On the yeah. mat, you know what I mean? It's not one of those guys where it's like you said. Sometimes you can wrestle through it. A guy like Austin Gomez is going to yeah, make right. it a lot harder to do that. Yeah, I mean he's gonna. The one thing that you can say about him is the moment the match starts. He, how can I pin this guy? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean he's, he's hitting throws, rolling cement mixers. He's he's throwing. He's like, how, yeah, he's just trying to pin you, right? And yeah. obviously he's going to legs and hitting reattacks and stuff too. But because of that, he's a very dangerous guy to wrestle. And regardless of a guy's skill level, when a guy's dangerous, you got to be aware of that kind of stuff. And um, I just, you know, it was a, there were some flaws in my game and probably some flaws in my pe- preparation that really got exposed and. I guess I can't emphasize enough how good of a thing that probably was for the sake of winning for, because who knows when I would have been like, all right, folk style, folk style, folk style in here. And same with the coaches, you know, it was the first thing Mike said to me was he was like, that was the perfect storm for you to lose. And it might've been the perfect time for it to happen. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you need someone to just kick you in the head, tell you how it goes. Yep. Speaking of Mike Gray, you have been, I always laugh because people know I'm a Penn State fan. So I get a lot of Penn State, you know, fans following me stuff on Twitter. And when I post like, hey, if you guys have questions, you know, of course, one of the questions is when's he coming to the NLWC? And I understand why people ask that as NLWC continues to grow and stuff. But what I don't think people realize that we have both stressed on this podcast every time you've been on is your relationship with Mike Gray. And the answer to the when is Yanni going to NWC, in my opinion, is the day Mike Gray goes there as a coach or something. 
because yeah. you're not separating from Mike Gray. These last two years, you know, we were talking yesterday about Rob Cole's coaching tree, which is just bananas. If people missed the tweet, it was that half of the NCAA finals featured a coach previously coached under Cole. Troy Nickerson, who was a Finger Lakes Wrestling Club coach in Ithaca, um, Brian Smith, early days at Cornell, um, Damian. Damian Hahn, who had Tanner Sloan in the finals, and Mike Gray, who had two finalists. So Rob Rob Cole is like his legacy continues to grow. But the first two years, you know, you're with Cole, and the last two years, just Mike Gray. And I know how much you give credit to him. So I'd be remiss not to ask about your relationship with him and how that's continued to grow over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, since Mike has taken over the program, you know, his his role has changed because his responsibilities have probably tripled. Yeah. You know, because the one thing with Coach Cole, you know, when he was here, he he wasn't in the room. I mean, he was. He was in the room, but he wasn't the guy running practice. Mike was always that guy, which meant that Coach Cole probably spent his entire day that he was in the office just doing recruiting, fundraising, you know, calling donors, sent whatever, whatever administrative kind of things you got to do. Yeah. So Mike kind of took on a lot of those responsibilities, if not all of them. And um, he's still in the room with the guys. He still does individuals. You know, he's still wrestling with the guys and doing all that. But I think the biggest thing um, since he's taken over is having all those new coaches in. they really lean on each other a lot, which is really cool to see because, you know, in my earlier years at Cornell, it was very compartmentalized, which I don't, I'm not going to say one's better than the other, but like Mike did this and, you know, Damien or Gabe or whoever was the coach at the time did this, coach Cole did this. And that yeah. was kind of how it went. And now, and obviously there's communication and dialogue going on between those guys then, but now I can tell they just kind of lean on each other and they still have their roles. Everything's still compartmentalized like that, but you can see that they all kind of collaborate a lot, which is really cool. And um, selfishly, like those coaches are awesome for me. You know, they're all around my size. They all wrestled around my size. They get what, what I'm doing. Yeah. So, you know, I think Mike made three incredibly intelligent hires, bringing in Cal and Donnie and Gwiz. Um, he actually, we just had a team meeting yesterday and just kind of re recapping the season to all the guys and, you know, just tell, him, him telling us you know, how proud he is of what we did. And the, what, the first thing he said is when he was hiring guys, he wanted guys that worked. And he was yeah. like, I wanted to find guys that work. And he, he, he got Kellen, Donnie, and Wiz, and those guys do a lot for us. You know, and I don't want to – I know you asked me about Mike, and now I'm talking about the other three, but it, I just – those It guys says work. a lot, though. That says a lot about a coach when it's – you're not deflecting to the other coaches, but it, there's a strong emphasis. Like, if you talk about the Penn State coaches, one of the things people talk about is the, the dynamic between them all, between Casey, Cal, Cody – you know, Varner, Kennedy, like you're what you're describing is like that kind of situation at Cornell right now. Yeah. I mean, the trust that they have in each other is very apparent and it's really, it's, it's, it's great for us because we trust them more yeah. because it's like, you know, Mike's my guy, but I can tell how much he trusts Kellen and Donnie. And if it, if I was with Kellen and Donnie and didn't have Mike, it wouldn't, it wouldn't scare me for a second. I wouldn't yeah. be like something's missing because and it's the same for all of them. You know, Julian Ramirez, Callan's his guy. And, you know, Callan and Mike are his guys. If he was in the corner with Donnie, he's like, listen, I know I know these guys. Like, Donnie can do it. Donnie's my guy just as much as they are. Like, he can do it. Right? And I think because we trust them so much, 
it's it's a little bit of that like blind faith where yeah like they don't need to prove it to us anymore you know what i mean and that relationship is really good and i guess to come back to mike it shows the intelligence as like a head coach and as like a i think he might be one of the youngest head coaches in the country and but it also shows kind of his um lack of ego to be like i don't need to be in control of everything yeah. i don't need to i don't need to have my ego stroked to make sure that i'm i'm in charge of everything he can trust those guys to do stuff and know that they're going to do a good job and not need to take credit for trusting those guys which says a lot about who he is as a person you yeah know? and i think that's one of the things you can attribute i mean the success like you said when you summarized Cornell's success this year, being the third best team in the country says a lot. One of the reasons for that success this year, Vito, I mean, Vito just myself included. I will, I think I predicted or preview the tournament, like Roman one, fix two, Vito three. If you've watched the last couple of years, it makes sense to, you know, to pick it kind of that way. Yeah. And Roman's obviously my guy. So I'm heartbroken for him. But the way Vito wrestled in the semis and finals, you it's it's funny. You worded it kind of interesting in one of your tweets or posts yesterday that like when Vito's on, he is one of, if not the best wrestler in the country on the levels he fires, like his semis and finals match. The argument that he's one of the absolute best in the sport right now in college is not a far-fetched statement. And taking out last year's finalist, and the year before his finalist in the semis and finals, crazy for you. I know how close you and Vito are. What was that like for you? It was so I, I I can't I can't explain in the moment. Like if you had taken me one minute after I won and one minute after Vito won, I was so much happier when Vito won yeah. because I just like he works so hard and he's doing everything that I'm doing, <laughs> you know. And it just like just didn't click for him in his first two years. But, like, and this is what me and Mike talked about. Like, everyone's like, he must have put a perfect tournament together. Like, everything just came together. Like, no. That's how good he is. Yeah. That's how good he is. And when you see those other performances, it's it's not Vito out there. You know, I think the weight cut really hurt him for a long time. And now, you know, because of Frank Corelli and, and the connection with the East Coast Training Lab, we kind of got all that under control for myself and for Vito. But, like, that's how good he is. You know, and – like going into the tournament, obviously we're biased, but I, and I understand why guys are going to pick Dayton and Roman, like on paper, they have more to their name. Right. Yeah. But like we, I see what he's like in the room. I've wrestled with him. Like, and my, I remember my mom called me like, I feel like he just put everyone at, at 57 kilos on notice. And I was like, they should have been on notice already. Like he's so good. <laughs> right. He's so good. And it just, you know, he had some weight cut and other things, you know, kind of like focus for whatever that he had to get under control. And he did. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that was not an out of character performance. I would actually say that was an average performance for him. And if you see him in the U S open, I don't want now. I feel like I'm putting a ton of pressure on him. If you saw him at the U S open, I would be like, he's going to wrestle like that again. Yeah. Not because he's like hot right now. It's just, that's who he is. Right. No, it, it makes sense. And, you know, again, you speak to the success of Cornell this year. You have Mike Gray, one coach of the year. Vito won OW. You won your fourth. Cornell took third. 
it reminds me of when I had Cole on here and we were talking about like, isn't this a hard time to walk away from Cornell? You know, you've, you've got all these great recruits. You got what Yanni's doing. You got such a great coaching staff. And he's like, of course, it's always hard to walk away, but you're happy with what you've built. Similarly, what you've contributed to Cornell. I mean, Cornell between having Dake and then you, you really, I mean, any program has to be so grateful to have that. Obviously, you can have, you know, a million different things help build the program. But when you have success, like two, four timers in such a short period of time and all the guys around you, I think there's kids that look up to you like you were talking about, look up to Dake. I think that's how kids are looking up to you. Like Yanni's a four timer. Like I don't think I know it's just it's how young wrestlers are. For you now being done with, I know you're not leaving Ithaca, but being done with Cornell and your time at college, what's it like walking away at, at this point in time? You know, walking away, but like being done with college. Yeah, I'm like I'm never gonna wrestle with the C on my chest ever again. You know, and it, it you know, I was saying this, it hasn't really hit me that that's gonna happen because. I, I hung out with all the guys on the team yesterday and we're all going to go to freestyle practice on Monday. And, you know, I, those guys are still going to be my best friends, whether or not I'm on the team. But I think, you know, next season at some point, they're going to go to, you know, an open tournament or the first will meet of the year. And I'm going to be like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> right. but, I, but I mean, just stepping away from it, I, I couldn't be happier with the direction the team is going in. And, you know, I, I know it's not, like I'm, I'm, if you had to rank the people that are the cause of that, I'm not in the top 10, but I, I feel, I take a lot of pride in that because I, I know that, you know, I'm going to be around and I'm going to be able to help those guys. But I, I also just, the team's moving in such a good direction. We have like really, really, really great kids, you know, that are just guys that I, I'm proud to be friends with, you know what I mean? Because they're such great guys. And they want to be good so bad. And if anything, I'm more excited to be in the position I'm in now. Yeah. Because during the year, I have to be selfish. I'm weighing in every weekend. I'm competing. I can only, I can only benefit. I can only help those guys out so much. But next year, this coming season, I guess, the plan, and I, I guess you're probably going to ask me at some point, is just compete. Focus on competing. You know, make that Olympic team, win that gold medal. Just all, all hands on deck for that. But I'm going to be able to help those guys out in the room. You know, I can do individuals. I can I can watch them wrestle and, and give them advice and be an, a guide for them because I think about it. And the big factor for me with those early years was Kyle. Kyle was beating the brakes off me every time we wrestled. And I'd go home and I'd game plan with Mike or my dad or myself. Like, how in the world am I going to stop this? How am I going to score on this guy? Yeah. And it's not because I need to beat Kyle Day, but it's just like he – that standard, like I was like, all right, this is what the best guy in the world wrestles like. I need to get to that level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously I'm not quite there yet, but I want to be that standard for those guys. I want to be that standard for a guy like Vince Cornella or Meyer, where it's like, hey, you guys want to be the best guy in the world? Like, this is what it's like, you know, and I want to be that for those guys. And I want to be there for them, you know, not just as a training partner, but just I want to be there for those guys. And I think that the position I'm going to be in next year is as good of a position as I can possibly be in to help them. Yeah, and we were talking about it before the show, and I want to talk about it on camera for a minute. You had said, here's here's your quote tweet verbatim. 
Meyer is going to be in the mix for an NCAA title next year. Book it. For those that don't know, Meyer Shapiro is a very highly recruited um, kid committed to Cornell. And Yanni is very excited for him. And one of the things we were talking about before is a lot of times when like, when somebody like you, if your caliper graduates, often there's a hole. Maybe it's for a year, maybe for a couple of years, but it's hard to replace a top guy often. You're very excited about what's coming next for Cornell at 149. Yeah. I mean, I listen, Meyer's a really young kid. You know, he's 18 years old. He's technically doing his senior year of high school right now. And I'm not going to put any more pressure on him than there already is. He's overall, is, is he number two overall? One or two? He's. I, I think he's two. He should be one. I think he's two. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I know he's up there. Myers is as good of a high school kid as I've ever wrestled. And obviously he's been training up here and that's going to be a huge developmental factor, but he's, he's like extremely dangerous. I mean, I, I'd like to think I have a really good understanding of the sport for a college wrestler. And he does stuff that I'm like, what in the world? How did that happen? And, you know, he's very strong. He's going to be really tall for the weight. I just, I'm so excited for him, you know? And the, the biggest thing about Meyer that I, I like is he, he's like obsessive about the sport to the point where, I'm actually like, dude, you got to take it easy. And I'm I'm like that. You know, he's so obsessed. His whole life eats, thinks, breathes wrestling. He's He'll send me Instagram memes at 10 o'clock before he goes to bed. Like, dude, look at this move. That's sweet. I'm going to hit that in practice tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds like you. <laughs> right. And I'm just, I'm so excited for him. You know, I, I'm not going to put any pressure on him. But if he, I'll say this. If he won the national title in March of 2024, I would not be surprised by it and by the way i you know he's 145 in high school i'm saying maybe 149 but there's also the possibility 57 right for next yeah. year for him i mean he's a, i know he's a 65 kilo guy 145 in high school that's always yeah i mean meyer's very tall i think he's you know five eight five nine so he's got the frame to move up i'm sure at some point he's gonna end up being a 57 slash 74 kilo kind of guy when it's all said and done um right now Right now, he's a 49-pounder. Um, yeah. He's committed to it. He talked to me. He's like, I want to do it. I want to do what you just did, you know. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, obviously, Mike's going to talk to him about what's best for the team. And, you know, there's some moving parts, right? We got guys like Colton Yapujan and Cole Hamlevic who are really good options that are very skilled guys, you know. So it's all, it's all uh, going to be what's best for the team and what's best for him. But right now he's a 49 pounder. Obviously, you know, that's all subject to change. But, you know, just like I said, we'll see what happens. I'm I'm beyond excited for him. You know, he's he's gonna be a very successful wrestler. Aside from how good he is, because he he wants it so bad. I think about him and Vince Cornella are two guys that are like incredibly motivated to the point where I I wanna help them however they can. Because like I, I use the word doom to succeed. It's like you can't care as much and be as committed as two guys like that are to not make yeah. it happen. You know, so I'm I'm yeah. so excited for those two. And I know you're asking about Meyer and I brought up Vinny, but no, know, that says those, a lot. Those are two young guys that I'm very excited for. You know, when they're seniors, they're gonna be remembered guys that are very good. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I sometimes catch flack rooting for Penn State guys if people don't know like my relationships and stuff, but you check a box of 
you know, being with me, Bash Solutions, and also Rochester, New York, Section 5. Yep. Another Section 5 kid, Anthony Noto, had a pretty good tournament. What did you think of that? He wrestled great. So Noto actually, my dad in in my lifetime has coached 10, 15 guys, you know, out of our little garage wrestling room. And Noto was actually one of them. I'm not going to say that Noto was with us the entire time because there were other people that helped him too. But, you know, Noto, Noto was a, uh, Noto was a really good training partner for Greg, my brother. And, you know, he got really good. I think he was four time state champ. And I, I mean, I knew, you know, there's me a chance he's going to have a good college career. You know, he worked hard. He's a strong kid. Um, and then he went to Lock Haven. He had a pretty good season last year, didn't all American. And then he had a really good season this year again. So I guess I'm rambling, but I'm happy for him. You know, he, uh, just a tough kid works really hard and was able to make it happen, you know? So that was awesome to see. And, uh, it's cool when you see guys that, you know, I, I knew, I knew Anthony when he was 10, 11 years old. Right. So it's cool. It's cool to see that, you know? And I think it was, I think it meant something for my brother too, you know, he's, he's been hurt this year, had shoulder surgery. He's not able to compete. I think it really opened his eyes to be like, man, like I can win this tournament because yeah. that was a guy that he grew up around and, you know, He's like, I can beat. He's like, if if I'm, if this guy's taking fourth, I'm I'm right there. I can win. And you know, I think that was that meant a lot for him. What aside from Noto, obviously, what non Cornell wrestler impressed you the most this weekend? You know, there's a lot that stand out to me. Obviously, there's a lot of really good guys. Um, I I thought O'Toole silently wrestled a really good tournament. Like Julian Ramirez, Julian's a really good friend of mine. And we were talking about before the match and I'm like, well, I don't really know what's going to happen. You know, David's beaten him. They had some close matches. You know, they're both very good. And Julian was like, dude, no one's talking about this, but O'Toole literally tech followed Carson in the quarterfinals. Like Carson was an All-American. Like, what do you think the last time an All-American got tech followed was? Carson is one of those guys too. He's a dog. Like, I, He's I, hard to score on. When I do preview shows, I'm always like, Karchula like Karchula is a guy who can just he he reminds me of like what people say about Vito like he can turn it on and he is an unbelievable wrestler and I think a lot of people looked at O'Toole's bracket and saw him wrestle a 10 and 11 seed in the quarters and semis but like you said and and Carr like that that weight has been crazy all year I mean Carr wrestled an NCAA champ in the quarters finalist in the semis like but yeah I, I I noticed that too yeah, and I kind of, you know, when you're wrestling, you're kind of sucked into what's going on around you, so you're not yeah. watching it on. But I was just looking at the brackets. I remember me and Julian were kind of killing time before the finals, and he was like, dude, he wrestled really good this weekend. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And then he, he had a great <laughs> finals match. You know, he looked super focused and stuff. So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of really impressive stuff. Vito is the obvious answer for the guy who impressed me the most. Yeah. Well, but that's why I, I said not Cornell, because I know Vito is like Vito's – Cream yeah. the crop for you. I yeah. But Which by the way, he's also I probably thought. for for most people too. Vito. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I thought O'Toole wrestled a, a very um impressive tournament overall, and I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I saw the finals match, and you know they both wrestled really great. But uh, yeah, I mean he he stood out. Seemed like he had a really good weekend. Here's a subtle moment from the weekend that not a lot of people probably caught on to. I believe you were, you had to be the first NCAA champion to wear your own shoes winning an NCAA title. Yeah. Which, and, and 
part of the reason it worked out because I was going through all the guys. I think Gable had a shoe, but Minnesota made him wear Nike. So there's some because I saw some Twitter discussion. I'm like, yeah, think I'm like, Yanni's the first guy to be able to do that. What was that like? Like to get your own shoe is, is honestly a lot of kids like want to win an NCAA title, then medal, win World Olympics, and then get a shoe. You're at this point, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're winning another NCAA title in your own shoes. What was that like? It was, it was really cool. Um, you know, this is a little dorky thing, but like, I remember being like eight, 10, uh, you know, 10, 11 years old and like sitting in my living room, drawing little pairs of wrestling shoes on like a notepad <laughs> because I was like, I'm going to have a wrestling shoe someday. And my mom's like, oh, that's so cute. Like, you know. <laughs> That's so, I keep thinking that funny, like, that's really cool. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, it was awesome, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm super happy with how the shoes are, you know, I have that, I have a contract with Spartan and they've been awesome. You know, I did, I'm going to sound like a sellout, but it's sincere. They're awesome. You know, I'm really happy with how it's going. And I think the coolest part about the shoe was like, I 100% designed that. I came to them with kind of a vision, like, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want it to look like this, feel like this shape like this. And they were just like, okay, yeah. And I was like, wait, no problems. And they're like, none. We'll make it happen. And um, because of that, the shoe is exactly to the to the inch how I want it to be. You know, and obviously we're going to continue to make modifications as we go, make it better, even better than I had originally dreamed of. But it's a really special thing, you know, obviously to have, even just to be recognized at the level that I have a wrestling shoe that people are buying and supporting is awesome. And then it's like, well, not only is my name on it, I got to design it. I got to pick the colors. I got to pick the look, the feel, which is all. Then it's like, wow. And then, like, I got to wear it in one of the biggest achievements of my life to date, one of. And, um, you know, it's it's really special. And uh, it's something not a lot of people have the chance to experience. And I'm sure had NIL existed earlier, there would have been guys who could have done that. But I'm really happy that. You know, I, I, had, I was able to do that. It also says a lot because I've been involved with the shoe company before. And when you have a newer shoe on a bigger scale, there's a lot of risk reward. If God forbid something happens to it, oh, it's a marketing nightmare. <laughs> if the shoe blows out, if something happens like but but that's a risk reward. And I think that speaks to the confidence of the product that you're not wrestling in these if they're not literally what you're going to go and want to wrestle in. <laughs> yeah i mean i have i've had those shoes now for a little over six months i train them every day i lift in them i run in them i wrestle in them i compete in them there's no real rips or tears or holes or anything um so i was confident and obviously in the back of my head i'm like man imagine if these things blew out right now <laughs> right. Oh. people don't think but, about those things until they happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i'm like man that would be that could probably be the worst case scenario right now would be if i lose and my shoe blows out <laughs> my brett unger is our 25 pounder and he's kind of like uh he likes to make fun of me he's like hey man at least your shoes didn't rip i'm like thanks unger he's like no, I, was, I hope they don't rip in the next one i'm like dude stop no. <laughs> don't even put it out there right don't put that stuff out there um but it's fun it's all fun speaking of wearing so your future does not look bright for AirPods, but you are done with headgear. I know you're very excited for no more headgear ever. 
what are you going to miss though about competing in college and competing at the college level? So I kind of have this at the Spartan RTC because we have a handful of athletes, but like I'll never be on a team again, yep. you know? And it's funny because if you had asked me my freshman year, I'd be like, yeah, I don't care about the team. They're my friends. I'll be able to see them, you know, whatever. In my time at Cornell, like I've, I've, I've placed a lot more value on being on a team. Yep. And you know, it's funny because if you had asked me a year and a half ago, like, hey, how much does a team trophy mean to you? I'd be like, well, not that much. Like, I can only do so much. Yeah. But, like, I remember this year, like, I don't know when, but I was like, man, I really want to get that team trophy. Like, and, and um, you know, I, I think it's a maturity thing. And I think it's also just, like, I'm so invested in these guys. As I get older, I get more and more invested in the team. And, um, you know, it – it's a really special thing when you have a group of guys that you're living with, you're training with, you're, you're spending, you know, I'm spending minimum four or five hours a day with these guys. It's like, you get so close. Right. And obviously I'm going to have that at the RTC, but it, it's just a little different, you know, like the dual meet, like we had, like we wrestled Lehigh in a dual meet and like the buildings jumping, we wrestled Penn, the buildings jumping. You know, like those kind of things you don't get really anymore. And obviously I'm going to have big stages, but like I remember when Unger got the takedown on the kid from Lehigh to like ice the duel for us and the place is blowing up and I have Julian up. I'm, I literally grabbed him and put him up on my shoulders was like running around with him. Like you don't get that anymore, you know, and I, I'm going to be there for all those moments for those guys. And I'm going to get to see them experience what I've experienced. And that's going to be awesome. But I think that's the biggest thing I'm going to miss is like, I'm not going to have that. You know what I mean? And obviously, if a guy like Kemmer or Skatska gets a big win, I'm going to go and double leg him and run him around the gym <laughs> at some tournament in, in, you know, Hungary or whatever. Right. But it's, it's different. You know what I mean? And I, I'm going to miss that for sure. It's definitely such a weird vibe because wrestling is such an individual sport. But when your time is done at a certain level, like for me, it was just high school. But like when you leave that camaraderie, that fellowship, there is an aspect for you where, you know, like I was saying this podcast for me, it was like the 45 minutes before practice, like sitting against the wall, that kind of stuff. Like you do still get a lot of that stuff. But like you said, the team aspect, now it's more like I look at USA wrestling as like an all-star team. Yeah, your teammates, but it's not like it's not that team camaraderie like a college, like a high school, like anything else. The national team is like, hey, here's a bunch of all-stars. <laughs> it's not yeah. It's not the same. I mean, yeah. Like I consider a guy like David Taylor is someone mm -hmm. who obviously I look up to him, but like I consider him a friend of mine, mm -hmm. but it's not like I'm like, I, I don't have the same relationship with him that I have with a guy like Chris Foka. Not even right. close. Right. But, and how could I, you know what I mean? And because of that, you know, it's, it's just different. And, um, you know, it's, it's really special. And I think it kind of hit me at some point in the middle of the year that I was like, this is really cool that I get to do this, you know, because you sometimes you're so, you're so invested in what you're doing. And it's, it is like every moment is like, it, I have the sense of urgency of what can I do to get better? And then you have, you know, the next moment you're like, this is, this is awesome. And I, yeah. Cool moment. Couple fan questions before I let you go. I know it's funny. We were talking about this too, before that, like you have, you're still a student. And you're a student in an Ivy League. And as a fan of college athletics and even being involved on a business level with kids, there's 
there's you forget that there's so much to do. Like, yeah, everybody, Yanni four time, Yanni this, Yanni that, Spencer Lee, all Penn State, 10 and 12 years. Then there's like reports do. Yeah. No. Life life smacks you in the face real fast when you come back home, you know? Yeah. Um, I made the joke to Vito and Foca because, like, you know, they hit really big milestones in their career this weekend. And they're like, like Chris is awesome, Foca. He's like, dude, I can't wait to go back to school. Like, it's going to be so cool. I was like, tell me how many people congratulate you. <laughs> and he, like, sits down in his first class. And, I, you know, I see him when we have our team meeting that day. He's like, dude. I thought I was going to kind of catch a break on this thing. And my teacher was like, oh, you got to get. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man. It's like, hey, good job. Keep it, keep it pushing. And um, it's the one thing, you know, that's cool is it's like we care so much. But like yeah. Mike tells this awesome story that his coach told it him. So it was his coach wrestling against Henry Cejudo to make the Olympic team. I think it was Matt Acevedo. And um it so it's Azevedo's coach telling him, "Hey, look at this guy eating a McDonald's burger on the side of the street." They're walking to the finals of the Olympic trials. Yeah, he's like, "This guy has no idea what you're about to do." Mike tells me this story all the time. It's like the coolest story ever. And the guy's pretty much like, "Okay, like, what? Do you, what's your point?" He's like, "This is super important, but like, life's gonna carry on tomorrow, and this guy who's walking down the street is not gonna know whether you're an Olympian or just a guy that wrestled in the tournament." Yep, and. It's really humbling. And I think it's one of the things that's special about being at Cornell too, is like, I'm not going to get my ego stroked any more than it needs to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Because yeah, I'm, I'm a four time national champ. That's a super special, incredibly special thing. There's like five guys on our team that are writing code. That's going to get used someday to solve some gigantic world crisis. <laughs> right. And I'm going to be like, Man, I know that guy. Like, yeah, he was he was on my wrestling team. You know what I mean? Like you're around so many incredible individuals just on the wrestling team. Then you take in the rest of the school, right? Um, but because of that, it's like, yeah, what I just did was awesome. But there's a lot of awesome people in this world that are doing really good things. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, few fan questions. Number one, after the depart, I know your answer to this. It's an obvious one, but after the departure of Cole, Dake, and the Deans from the club. What has allowed the program to still produce national champions and be a premier program in the country, especially with the high academic standards at an Ivy school? Mr. Mike Gray. <laughs> we, uh, we have the joke because when like a guy like Brendan Furman or Vito and I all got here at the same time and like the, the staff and the people around looked completely different. The RTC, everything was different. We have this joke, like Mike's the lone survivor of the olden days with us. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, Mike basically got left with everything, you know, like Kyle was really the last guy who was here other than Mike. And after that, it was like, all right, this is all you build it. And um, obviously he got left with a ton of support and resources, right? Because the, the alumni are so invested and they all really wanted Mike to be in that position. But it was like, he had to make it happen and he had a vision and made it happen, you know? So I could, I couldn't, I couldn't say anything but Mike. Really. Yeah. All right, here's another one. It's undeniable that the top generational talent is coming out of New York, yet it feels like overall recruiting of NY kids away from Cornell is lacking. Do you see that changing soon coming off your success and Vito's success this weekend? You know, I've noticed that 
especially at the high school level, there's a lot more parity around the country now. Like before, it was really isolated to the Northeast. You had some guys in like Oklahoma, Iowa, California. But now you're seeing, you know, Georgia, Idaho, like a lot of that, like, I mean, Idaho's not Southern, but you're seeing a lot of like Southern wrestling, really seeing a lot of that, like out West building. So I think it's going to change, you know, Um, you're seeing because there's so much access to information nowadays. If you have a hardworking kid that desires to be great and has the resources for it, you can kind of do it anywhere. You just need a second guy, right? You need a partner. So like, and this is all we did. It was me and my dad. We, we wanted to succeed. My brothers and I, we, we wanted to be really good. And we're like, all right, well, we need some training partners. And we found people that wanted to be great. And we just put the work in, you know, a lot of research, a lot of time spent, a lot of people calling us crazy people. But it, yeah, I mean, your it, garage is like a D1 wrestling room. Yeah. Scaled my, dad, down. <laughs> my dad has coached three division one, all Americans out of like, 15 kids he's coached and you know what i mean and that's that's like that's crazy you're he's <laughs> he's his all-american rate is 20 percent. i'd say that's pretty good <laughs> not bad and um it just it it's a lot of work you know what i yeah. mean and if and because of that you can be great anywhere you just need two guys that want to do it i think that's i'm looking to how i was talking to him yesterday andrew lira is getting him on here because here's a kid who they mentioned all weekend, you know, comes from a town of 699 people, stayed home, and now he's an NCAA champion. It helps having a guy, you know, shout out New York again, Troy Nickerson as the coach. Um, But yeah, it, a lot of truth in that. All right, one more fan question. Outside of wrestling, what are your plans going forward? Coaching projects, causes, et cetera. I know you mentioned you're not coaching. You're going to be wrestling initially. What else, you know, as you transition out of these collegiate days with homework, you know, you've done a very good job, I think, of working on your brand and the business side. But I got to assume the business side and the branding side will be more of a focus moving forward now. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of things that, unfortunately, I've kind of had to put on the back burner. You know, I'm doing a lot with Live Trained is the plan, you know, now that things are starting to settle a little bit with, you know, getting some video content, some training videos, some live sessions to work with people. So I think that's a really cool way to interact with fans and, you know, just help, help grow the sport. You know I mean? I can work with a young kid or I can post some videos to help kids develop their skills. And I think that's really cool. And obviously it's just hard to do that in the middle of the year. You're in school, you're competing every weekend, but now, you know, there's some time to make that happen. And then obviously the stuff going on with Spartan, you know, again, I have, we have all these creative ideas, but we're kind of limited by the NIL rules and, you know, school, school. Right. And um, now that things are starting to settle, we've got some really, really exciting things coming, you know, going to do some really cool stuff with the shoes, going to give you guys some really new, really cool new apparel. And the one thing that I like about being with Spartan is like, I called uh, Nick Garone is the guy who is kind of my point guy for a lot of that stuff. And he's like, Hey, what do you think about this? And I can be like, no, let's do this. And he'll be like, all right. You know, I'm very involved in the creative process with my own things. And because of that, you know, each thing that we get put out to you guys, like means a lot to me, you know, whether Nick came up with it or I came up with it or, you know, Joe DeSena came up with it or whoever came up with it, you know, we're all very involved. There's not a lot of people that are coming up with these things, you know? So I think that that's really cool. And then obviously, 
you know, those are going to be the two main things. And I'm going to be super, super, super involved with the team. You know, my big projects, I've got some guys that I, I think can be really, really special. You know, I'm thinking about Meyer, Vinny, my brother, that I, you know, and I, I'm not just those guys, you know, the whole team. There's a lot of really, really special guys in our roster. I could tell you 20 guys on Cornell's roster that can be all Americans, which is crazy. It says a and, lot. And, um, you know, that's probably going to be the most time consuming thing is I'm just going to like pour my heart and soul into those guys. You know, we're, we're, we're one or two years from, I think, being the best team in the country. And I think that a really big role in that is going to be my involvement and just being there for those guys and doing for doing what Kyle did for me and trying to do that for a whole lineup. You know, and I, I think, I think we have the people around us to do it. Yeah, I I'd say so. All right. So before I let you go, last question from me, you already qualified for final X being returning world medals. You don't have to go to the U S open for people that are now sad that they need another Yanni fix. When are you competing again? Plan for me is Pan American Championships. Um, they're scheduled April 4 to 7. I think I'm wrestling the 5th or 6th, maybe 6th or 7th, right around that time. Um, and that'll, that'll be really it for me before Final X. Maybe something's going to present itself between now and then, but, you know, this is the, this is the stuff I love. Yeah. And I'm so happy to have – I haven't had a full, you know, non-folk style thinking year in my – life really since covid so i'm and i i was making huge huge jumps over that time so i'm really excited for that again and you know even more excited is like that olympic year is looming and it's like it's next year it's crazy that the olympics are next year (laughs) it can't can't get here soon enough i feel like you know jordan pushing me out jet oliver pushing me out at the uh, olympic trials like that little video at, like it's etched into my memory forever. And Jordan's an awesome friend of mine. It has nothing to do with the fact that, yeah. it, but it's like, I was right there, you know? And then I, and then I went to the Olympic games. And I saw those guys. And I'm like, I'm right there, yeah. you know, and it, it's burned into my memory. And um, I'm so excited to have another chance at it. And I think, you know, with the people I have around me and the way that I'm living right now, I'm going to be able to make an improvement. I'm also selfishly very happy on the final X location because oh, it's great. from right. Rochester, that's a 45 oh. minute flight for me. 50 minute, maybe it's yeah. right by the car. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. That, drive down. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh that's going to be a fun one. So, all right, Yanni D go get some homework done. Go get some other stuff done. <laughs> Thank you for always making the time. We will chat probably offline a little bit. Cause that website now, a lot of things we can do with it. So have yeah, some fun. Awesome, man. We'll talk soon. See ya. And the beat goes on.